If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. I feel like I was just here with you guys. Uh, Welcome back. We got part two of a great show. We're going to serve it up in a way that you can get it. We've got Sean Henry. He's the CEO and president of your Nashville Predators. And just like Dev Digital, did I say that right, Dev Digital? You nailed it. (laughs) Winning championships uh, in the digital realm. Uh, Your your Nashville Predators, that's John's favorite team. He's got a shirt. What does your shirt say today? You know, it is the iconic lamp from A Christmas Story made in the Predators skate boot well i know that and it's my favorite pred shirt of all time the creativeness then was just so was so good used to be i know that makes sean (laughs) happy to see that merchandise out and about um we are the goat consulting podcast in our 20s we get in the game in our 30s we move up in the game in our 40s we try to stay in the game because those 30 year olds are so damn good they are in our 50s we say what is it that i really want we hope you'll do that today and we're about the goat or the greatest of all time in sports it's easy to see it's people that are recognized for their greatness in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. And, Sean, you certainly do that in the role that you sit in, and what you do gives energy and, and certainly creates energy for many, many people. And uh, we appreciate you um, spending another segment with us and uh, taking the time to be here today with us yeah. and, our, and our global audience. Yeah, and besides Nolan Ryan, I think Sean is the is the king of the curveball. He even told us last episode he didn't like the term goat, so <laughs> surprised us with that on our but, own. But on then our own turns show. around and gives probably the most insightful definition of what one is. You have to go, you have to go back and listen to that. Uh, I used to love Nolan Ryan too, but if my sons heard me compare me to Nolan Ryan, they would just be laughing and laughing and laughing for a lot of personal inside story there (laughs) well maybe we'll bring one of those up here in a moment sean this says that you're the alternate governor of the predators what does that mean of the nhl predators every team you know we own the league right we own 132nd that's right and each team has one official vote for most matters so you normally have most teams have you know three or four maybe some have five or six governors but you have one governor and then alternate governors for the rest so herb bridge our chairman is our governor David Poyle and I are our alternate governors right now. Gotcha. Got it. So it's kind of like the backup uh, goalie. Yeah, we're, we're both e-bugs behind her. So you have one official vote, and uh, that's all you got. So I've got a question. Maybe we can launch into this uh, this main topic here. You talked about a lot of really cool moments as you got up to where you are today in your career. M- much of it had to do with sports, although it started as a busboy. That's a great story for folks to go back and listen to. But I, w- I wanted to ask, what is one of the most meaningful wins that you've been a part of? A lot of franchises, a lot of games. What's one of the most meaningful wins? Well, I mean, the, the most memorable for me prior to being here was uh, when we won Game 7 Stanley Cup in Tampa against Calgary. You know, there's something about – so I, I feel badly, you know, for any team that – I don't feel badly for anyone who wins a championship. Let me put it that way. 
but I feel badly for those that win it and don't win it at home. As uh, special it is to win, winning at home is just a little different, you know. So sure. when we won Game Seven, it was you know uh, just an incredibly tight game, and it was just fun. I mean, to me, that was number one until when we beat Chicago in Chicago, Game Two of the 2017 Stanley Cup. If you remember, a lot of people said we backed into the playoffs. A term I personally hate. Um, you earn your way into the playoffs, by the way. Um, but we're the 16th seed. That's right. We were playing, I think, the number one team in the West, not number one overall. But no one believed that we could win. When I say no one, I mean no one outside of people that had a business card with our logo on it. Um, you know, our fans were, you know, mad at us that we backed in. We barely made the playoffs. Now we're going to get swept by Chicago. They're going to take over our building. They're bully us. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. The opposite so, happened. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that we didn't hear their goal song once. Because of Pekka, that's the you know, worst Pekka goal out. song of, of in, in the entire sports. Well, yeah, especially when you're hearing it in their building right. against your team, right? Um, but when we won that game, it's it just like, my gosh, this is a special year. No matter what happens oh, yeah. now, it's a special year because it gave. we always talk about golden moments. All of our fans enjoyed a golden moment at home watching that game, and then it gave us an opportunity to, you know, have game three here with virtually zero Blackhawk fans in the building. And it was just an amazing, you know, period of time for this team that we got to ride off of. So I think that's. It was 2017, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. So my, my most memorable moment, maybe uh, of almost of all time in sports, because I got to be in Indianapolis this year when Georgia won the national championship and they're my team, but maybe a rival to Alabama. Now I've heard that. <laughs> I maybe my my second favorite moment of all time was being at the game. The however many overtimes we were in, Mike Fisher scores the win at like one a.m. I was there. What's that? One oh three a.m. That's right. And my wife, we had a a girl in our neighborhood that was watching our kids, and my wife ended up leaving because she was like six, fifteen years old. She's like, I got to go home to the to relieve the babysitter, and I'm like. Yeah, you do, because I can't leave. And I ended up staying <laughs> to see that win, and it was just one of the coolest moments. And what was so cool about it, Sean, I know you remember this, is I remember looking the looking around, and I think my wife was the only one that had left that game. It like, was amazing. It was so incredible. That's one of my favorites. Awesome. And Tom, Tom Seeger, our chairman at the time, his mother was celebrating her 103rd birthday that night at the game. And the best part was looking up to the suite, and she was standing on her feet applauding at 1.03 a.m. It oh was my just gosh, oh, that's so cool. Night. So yeah, remind your wife of that, that a well, 103-year-old woman stayed, and she did not. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> My favorite moment is going to go back, and Marty had to remind me of this. Marty Mulford, uh, who served under you as the senior director of ticket sales, he, he reminded me of the how you took the Go Purds moment and turned it into an opportunity versus a challenge. And uh, I, I would love for our audience to listen to how the Go Purds went from being uh, possibly one of the biggest debacles in, in sport for that year, uh, or seemed to be, to being uh, you recognized uh, by Keith Oberman as one of the uh, coolest moments in sport for that year. Well, you know, it, it goes back to a pretty simple thing. You know, you're going to make mistakes, and then you have two choices when you do say, oh, we made a mistake, or no, we didn't. And the funny thing is about when you say, no, you didn't, on something so clear that you misspelled your team's name. Mm. Like, we made a mistake. And I remember being in a meeting just 
honest with him. I had my hands. Like you can misuse the wrong two. You can say a lot's one word. You can end a sentence on preposition, right? There are things that you do all the time. Yeah. That's fine. Then you can argue about it. Well, common language now allows for us to use a lot as one word and not two. Right. Fine. Irregardless is now a word, which kills me on a personal level. Yeah. Fine. You misspell the team name. There's no <laughs> argue whether or not it's a yeah. mistake. However, people that are not with the team anymore, we're in a room saying, we need to suppress it. We need to shut it down. We need to blame IBM for printing it that way. We need to blame the printer. We, I'm like, what? I'm looking around the room, like, guys, we screwed up. We screwed up because we didn't proofread carefully enough. We screwed up because let's face it, reading our team name is like looking at wallpaper in your bathroom. You don't even look at it anymore, right? It's, mm. it's spelled correctly. And uh, I said, so why don't we just go out and say we, we made a mistake. Let's blame Nash, first of all. Right. We have the seven foot cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> and let's get a video of him at a keyboard with a big old mitts doing this. And let's send it out in a letter great. with everything misspelled and laugh at it. And I'll never forget one gentleman who's not here anymore and glad for it. Who was like, that's ridiculous. You can't you can't make fun of yourself. I said, Well, we can if we want to join everyone else. Because yeah. everyone else right now is making fun of the incompetent purds. <laughs> we, we can't even spell our name. How are we ever gonna win a Stanley Cup? And it turned into one of those really fun things. The backstory, though, is about four months later, we did it again. Oh, no. And then I was like, oh, and I'll never forget, the gentleman that coordinates all of our mascot activities said, come on, don't blame Nash again. <laughs> <What's wrong? laughs> we and took the fall the first time. Yeah, I think that time we just came out and said, we're just not very smart. Or, you know, we had a little bit more fun with it. But, um, you know, laughing at yourself is important when other people are. I think. Well, that vulnerability fuels connection, right? And and. Yeah. and- and so I think one of the things that the takeaway for the audience for us is is that leaders and managers get paid to do two things, solve problems and make make decisions. And they get judged on results. And those results define whether they move up or down in their career. And I think your example is a great example of how you take that, make the decision. And then he said the hardest part about that thing for you was writing a an email that had 25 misspelled words in it that you, you could barely sit it out because you couldn't make sense of the whole thing. But you found a way to get through it. Well, but I think the story that I tell myself sometimes is, and, and hopefully so much less today than I ever have before, but there were certain times in as my younger years, the story I would tell is, is if I show that vulnerability or that weakness or that I screwed it up somehow, that that I would somehow, you know, alienate people when the truth is quite the opposite, right? Like like you just said, Sean, I mean, you kind of made it into this thing that gained loyalty and laughter and, and an army of people that stood behind it, right? Like, I mean, that's what's so fascinating, but the story, at least I think sometimes I tell, maybe we tell in our heads, is something totally different than what's actually true or could happen. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Owning them, I think, is important. I mean, part of it's showing Absolutely. vulnerability. Part of it is just being honest, you know? But there are so many times when people blow up negative things on themselves without meaning to by trying to – it's not the mistake, it's the cover-up. In all mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. And Richard Nixon might be known as one of the best presidents ever if he just said, oh, yeah, we broke into Watergate, you know, to steal some tapes. What's up? Right? right? Like we just said that. He, yeah. You know, maybe he's not, you know, Gerald Ford. We don't even know who he is except for an all-American football player. So, Hey, Sean. Sean go ahead. You, uh, you mentioned empowering people in our last episode. Um, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm growing a company. Goat, Goat Turf is my <laughs> yeah. company. And uh, – 
as we're growing, one of the biggest things I see is that I can't be involved in every single decision. And, and uh, just from hearing you talk, I know that you've gone up through the ranks and, and you've had to learn how to empower people. What would be your biggest suggestion on empowering people in your organization? Well, I think it's twofold. You know, the person you're empowering needs to take it and they got to own it. The second is it, it's so scary the first time you let someone else do something you normally did. And that's why I say when you get promoted within an organization, it's sometimes hard to you to take that next step and let someone else, you know, fill your shoes. Conversely, sometimes it's hard for other people to see you in a new role. And like I always said, as long as I, I was with Powell Sports Entertainment and we owned a bunch of teams and entertainment centers, there are a handful of people that are always going to see me as the management trainee. Mm-hmm. And then my mentor, the CEO, the CFO of the team said, who cares? Don't worry about those guys. Like truly just keep taking on new roles and making sure when you're taking that next step, you are giving someone else your old role or old responsibilities and let them do it their way. I mean, a lot of times when you let someone else do what you used to do, you're, you, you, you own it like your own child, right? You're afraid to let another guy teach him how to swing, right? That's what I taught him how to do. And, and you need to, and you have to be confident that they're doing it in a better version than you did because of the way you did it in, in a positive way. Then the second part is, if you try to do everything, you're going to become a really hateful person to be around, you know, because other people aren't having fun. They don't feel good about themselves and that their individuality starts to atrophy. And, and when that happens, you go from being a really good organization to one that literally can't do anything new. And I've made the mistake a thousand times. Don't get me wrong. I probably made it three times today in overstepping what I should do or shouldn't do. But we have an exec meeting every uh, Tuesday, just got out of it coming to this. And from time to time, I find myself saying, guys, you got to help me, man. You got to help me get me out of this. You know, don't, don't even let me, you know, walk into your kitchen type of thing. And mm-hmm. I think you need some trust with your employees, both in down, but also for them to say, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time with this? You know, our chairman, maybe six months ago, said something to me. He said, wow, I'm shocked you're even involved in that. Why are you? And it was like, it was so good to hear. And he was doing it intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Reminding me in a very subtle way. There are bigger things for you to do than worrying about X. So it's yes. uh, you have to be really diligent about it. But the most fun part is when you do do it and someone else does it better than you imagine it could be. Man, that's so rewarding. Yeah, that's, I'm excited about that part. <laughs> well, let, let me let me say this because I think one of the best examples that I've ever heard, and it just so happens to be with you, Sean, of like a real life example of that is this neck neck brace moment, as I've referred to it in many many conversations along my my career uh, since you first told me. But would you give everybody the the gift of sharing that story about the neck brace moment when you first got to the Preds? Well, there are a lot of versions of it because I've done it in five different places now. So um, when I got here, the, the business side of our um, organization was not very strong. It was beaten down, you know, great employees, but they were given no resources. You know, there was always a reason not to do something. And a lot of things, a lot of good ideas failed because you didn't have the proper resources behind it, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. And I remember I, and every time I brought up an idea or someone else would bring up an idea, before you were even done saying it, there were three or four people in the room shaking their head. You know, before you even said, hey, let's put peanut butter on this side of the bread and jelly on this side of the bread. You know, before yeah. you explained what a PB&J was, it was and dismissively giggle. And I honestly, I get so mad. I was like, yeah, you can't say no until you hear the idea. And even when you hear it, don't say no. I mean, truly say yes to every single idea that's ever brought up, ever. 
And wow. if you do that, you create something magical. So uh, I, I I tried to buy, I think I think it was 75, 100 employees at the time. I tried to buy, buy 100 neck braces, and I couldn't. Walgreens literally only had four. It wasn't as packed with four. So I bought all four, brought one to a meeting, and the first time someone started doing that, I gave it to them. Now, I don't think I did this here, but you when I was it in- the neck brace of shame. That's what I remember you called it. Which was stolen from uh, the movie, you know, the cone of shame around the dog's that's neck. That's right. And that's what it was. Like, if you had that, it was because you weren't being a great team member. You weren't being a good coworker. You weren't being a good supervisor or subordinate. Because let people talk. Let them air their idea out before you say no. But we've all been in that room when, you know, you're, you think you have the greatest thing ever, right? And you're excited about it. And before you even articulate it, you're like, so the whole idea is you're putting neck brace on people that can't say no. Um, you don't have to do that too many times before people start letting other <laughs> people express themselves. So I, I think I, Marty, Marty used to wear it all the time. Oh, no. I said, I've sent Sean a neck brace and asked him a question before, but he said no. So I well, well, you, you, that wasn't an idea. You were trying to sell me something that, you know, we were in a position. Just my love. Just my love. Not John. Just your love, but I, I absolutely loved. It was the best reaction to us not moving forward with something when you sent me that. It, it really was hilarious. <laughs> so good well, hey I, I, want, I want to follow up with the empowerment because i think empowerment is this is this buzzword that people throw around but but in the world we live in today that word has changed and here's what i mean if you look at in quarter four we had this thing called the great resignation and all these people left their jobs right and and there's this whole movement of people leaving their jobs and so then you have to start asking yourself why what what's going on and i think when you talk about empowerment you also, there's this new depth in, in this piece of it. Here's what I mean. I think our brains scan, and I heard somebody say this, and I thought this was very powerful. I think our, she said our brains scan every day looking for a place where we can be valued, respected, and loved. And the second place is we're looking for a place where we can continue to grow and develop. And if we don't give them a place to grow and develop, in their in your garden, they'll find another garden to go to, and and I wonder what your thoughts are about that. But before that, I want to give you a tangible example of of Paige Cuffio, who you certainly have developed, and and she's grown. She started with you, and I taught her way back when in two thousand five, and in two thousand six she started as a fan relations coordinator, and today she's your senior manager of corporate activations. And uh, I asked her, I said specifically, give me some some things that you think about Sean. And I think this to me is the ultimate in leadership. Do I want to hear them? Well, she said, I don't oh. know if you can share this, but this is, this is a true story. And she said, by the oh, way, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, getting back to you so late. It's a military week and we've got a lot of stuff going on. So she is working, but uh, she <laughs> said the funniest story uh, that I don't know should be on your show is my water broke with my second child at my desk. And Sean said, Quote, I'm prepared to help deliver. <laughs> and I went running over there with boiling water, newspapers, gloves. That was it. God, newspapers. That point. Willing to take care of people. He went, he went Adam Sandler on her. But she, but she also went to say that um, she said no matter who they are, he makes time for every single one of us, makes us feel special. He does the same thing, he does the same thing for fans. And I think that speaks to what I was talking cool. about, about your brain scanning and looking for those things. Do you... Do you see that as part of empowerment today, that, that empowering that next generation is one of the things and letting, letting them grow and develop is one of the things that will keep them there? 
Well, you know, it's, it's twofold. It, it will have some people leave because they get you know, a lot of yeah. notoriety for what they're doing. Right. But you have to be comfortable with that. You know, you use a, a garden analogy that, you know, sometimes you got to you know, prune the garden to let other things blossom. Right. But that doesn't mean the other ones weren't growing really well. You know, so as we have success, individuals get to shine a little differently. And organizations in our city, organizations around our league see that and they'll make some offers. And I'm always happy when someone leaves like Marty did mm. for a new opportunity that's progressively more responsible. I would have been really sad if Marty left for the same position or parallel, you know, path. So yeah, you, you want to make sure you, you build a place that people want to be where they can thrive. Yeah. You know, we love the environment we have. We love the culture we have. Yet at the same time, you know, we've engaged with a culture coach, a counselor, an executive coach. We just created a new uh, health and wellness director for our organization nice. because over the past two years, we've come to a lot of different challenges and we want to make sure that we don't sit back and say, wow, isn't this great? We want to make sure we look at how we can be better. And that's kind of the yeah. corner heartbeat of what we are. I love it. Sean, one of the ways that we <clears throat> honor our guests is we have this segment, if you if you will, we call the things that you think and do not say. And it comes from Jerry Maguire. I know you've seen that movie. I know you, the very little, you've seen, you, you've not seen Jerry Maguire? Sean, oh, I, th we may, I think me and you are the same person. We may need to end the. We may need to end this <laughs> me and interview. Sean, right me here. and Sean are best friends. <laughs> we may need to end this interview. Well, that's I, that's why he had the response that he had. So so he writes this mission statement, and it's the things we think and do not say, the future of our business. I'm going to send it to you. And he's speaking. He's speaking about the future of the business and saying the things that need to be said so the business can become what it's supposed to become. I'll let you take it from there. And it, it, the whole premise of the movie, he ends up leaving his agency. Well, I know the premise. Like, I live in the country. I mean, I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not sheltered. Another curveball from the king. Have you seen Star Wars? <laughs> Another curveball from the I king. Has not seen Jerry Maguire. Okay, moving along. What might be the topic? If you were going to write that statement instead of Jerry Maguire, what would be the topic that you would bring up? Um, getting involved in people's personal lives. I think the biggest thing we've lost is offering is to deliver their baby right there in the office. Offering to deliver the baby. But, you know, there have been a lot of places. I've been fortunate. I've stepped in a lot of places that maybe weren't thriving. And uh, the commonality I think every place has had is the people didn't know each other. You know, they didn't, you know, a handful of pockets of people liked each other. Maybe they got married, you know, whatever. But cross department, cross discipline, cross ages. They didn't know each other. They didn't know how many kids you had. You didn't know if you were going through a divorce or if your child was sick or if your you know, dad just got Alzheimer's. And, and I think it's a fine line, you know, what you know about people. Sure. But the more you do, the more responsive you can be. And I just think too many people default to, oh, it's a liability. I, I shouldn't ask about that. And mm. I think we're losing, you don't, it's not, you're not nosy. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what challenges you have. Because if I know that you're bringing your dog, I mean, forget about something as serious as your own child or parent, you're bringing your dog to have their Achilles looked at. Well, that weighs on you a little bit. And it weighs then on your children because what are you going to tell them? I could be a hair more supportive than that. And I think the more of us that do that, the better the place is. And too many companies are moving away from that right now. And it's because they got someone got sued once for offering an opinion that they shouldn't have offered. So sometimes be compassionate, 
just shut your blowhole. You don't have to offer every opinion. Well, and it's in those moments. I've, I love that you said that. And it's in those moments that you build trust, right? And conversely, not asking about some of those things, you're building quite the opposite, distrust, right? And even though we may not think of it that way, it's those sliding door moments that are producing trust or distrust in the in the workplace. And where I sit as a coach, if you go into an organization, you say, tell me about your top performers, they'll talk about all their accolades, but they won't tell you anything about their personal life. And I think that's the point that you're trying to make, right, is, is if you want your top performers to continue to be top performers, we don't live in a world anymore where there's no separation of – where there's not a separation of, of home life and work life. It's, it's just – you know that from the work that you do every day and the amount of time you spend up there and your people spend up there. Yeah. I hate that when a young person will ask me, uh, how do you do work-life balance? I said, I don't know. What's yeah. Yeah, like, not a it good finds question. its own balance. Always does. Yeah, so. that's true. Sean, before we, we land the plane here, we're going to ask you to uh, share with us five songs from your playlist. And if you don't have a playlist, I'm sure that's not a thing, though. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe five songs you can't live without. What would those be? Well, look, first, do you have a playlist? I don't have a playlist. He, he has no playlist. No, the, curve, no, the curve balls no, contain. No, I told you, he's the no king. No Jerry Maguire. He's no the, no playlist. What we, king of what we have in my house... And anyone's ever gone on vacation with us, and we've always vacation with the same family. We have Maddie's playlist. There you and go. That's my son Matthew. He's got the greatest playlist that he builds for every occasion in the world. Oh, so wow. I don't need one. I got Maddie. So there you go. He does somebody um, does your playlist. I'll tell you that my favorite music, you know what it is, right? My favorite band. Who's ever playing in our building next? And I mean that uh. sincerely. <laughs> that's not me trying to sell an extra couple of tickets. So right now it's Billy Eilish and, and Morgan Wellen. And it's absolutely true. My favorite band is who's playing next or who's playing tonight because I love seeing the engagement and energy between fans and that artist, no matter who it is. I mean, I just love it. Now, my favorite band is The Who. I mean, just again, showing the, the Who and the Grateful Dead. But I, I, my, I, like, I can't wait for tomorrow when, you know, you have 500 people waiting to get in the building because that energy level is so contagious and it's upbeat. And then when the main star comes out for their you know, first song or first set or first introduction, I, I literally am always in the bowl at that moment because I want to see that explosion. So it's yeah. cool. So I'm a little That's biased because cool. I've probably seen 3000 concerts now in, in my working career. And I, I love the connection, you know, that from what Wayne Newton had to Springsteen has to Garth Brooks has to what Billie Eilish will enjoy tomorrow night. So I was going to ask the question, what does that say about you? And you just answered it, right? I mean, you love seeing the connection. Yeah, I mean, like I'll walk around and songs get trapped in my head like ping pong balls. But um, you know, my I, again, my favorite band is is this. But the only thing on my playlist, just so you know, is "Cats in the Cradle" by Harry Chapin. Oh yeah. Whenever my kids say no, like when I say, "Hey, you want to go have a catch?" and they tell me I have homework, I play that for them. Yeah. Conversely, whenever they ask me to do something and I tell them I have to go work. They also, oh, yeah. <laughs> it does, it does go both ways. Well played. It does. So I want you to envision as we're, as we're fading out here, that the who is playing Eminence front as we're, as we're fading out into, uh, into the end here. But for, for Sean Henry, who, who said this, that I think so powerful, say yes to every idea and you can do something magical for Tyler Burnett, John Byers. I'm Colby Jubenville. Sean, we appreciate you being here. Thanks, this Sean. is the Go Consulting Podcast. Today.